Hello, misfits. This is Kate. And Kale. Welcome to Horrorwood. we need everybody to know what you're holding. Oh, well, I'm holding my third glass of champagne is what I'm holding. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Happy Monday or Monier. It is. It's a moan day. It's been a rough day. Yeah, I could care. Also, the wire on my bra is like really digging into my skin. I right hate now. when that, Listen, I love a good bra and I hate a bad one. Are those Warby Parker glasses you're wearing? They are. I can always tell. I don't look good in Warby really? Parkers. No. But if Warby Parker wants to sponsor us, like, hell, I'm oh, all for gosh, it. Oh, gosh, please do, because I have two pairs of Warby Parkers, and I love them so much. I mean, Warby Parker, we're here. We're here for you. We want you to be here for us. Like, we can make this work. Let's collab. Uh, it's just, it's we're ready to make it happen. We focus on you, pun intended. But, okay, so a couple of things. So, one, I just got a text that, hold on, I have to read it like verbatim because it's a headline oh the judge vacated the murder conviction of Anan Syed of um serial season one. Uh, oh, Adnan Syed yeah I I couldn't open the link because it's New York Times and I'm not a subscriber and they said yeah. that I've already read my your da- quota your of my yes. <laughs> yes yes so fuck that but yes they vacated his conviction so that's wow. amazing that's amazing wow yeah and then secondly so this episode is coming out one week after the Queen's funeral, but we just want to say we understand and we're with everybody. We both have um, friends in the UK and, uh, and you know, around the world who obviously were affected by um, her passing. And it's like really, I don't think the historic moment of it all hit me until her funeral coverage today we obviously in the states don't have an equivalent to that so like watching the coverage today it was just crazy because I, i was trying to think okay well who would who would it be here and i couldn't think of anybody i have no idea i don't it just seemed like everyone came together and it was really emotional to see that obviously i think you know everyone has their thoughts on a monarchy and royal family and and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing but you know they're they're still people and they're human and it when watching their funeral it just made me think like man I'm glad I I don't have to be forced I mean they had to do a two mile walk behind her casket the family and I think did. it was moving pretty slow oh oh and it was like a march and everyone's you know in unison and I was just like man I can't imagine like if I had had to do that when my grandmother passed and and then grieve on top of I, that, I right? would have been a mess. And knowing the entire world is watching. Anyway, that's not what this episode is about. But I just wanted to like touch on that. I might edit all this out. I don't know. Maybe if we ever set up a Patreon, which I literally mention in like every episode, every episode. and never do, <laughs> then maybe we'll put that on there. But right now I'm just enjoying this third glass of champagne. Anyway, 
I am super excited for today's episode because it's the conclusion of the shocking murder of Bob Crane. I mean, to state conclusion or to conclude something, you you really have to have an ending. And I'm going to say it's the open-ended Ooh. finale. Okay. I like that. I, okay. well, I, mean, I don't know if I like that, but you know, I get it and I, I see where you're going here. Um, I love you on three glasses of champagne. It's really fun. <laughs> oh my I also, God. I also just looked down and I was reminded again that I put my name in today as Moan Day. So Moan that's Day. pretty funny. Anyway. Anyway, we're here to talk about a sitcom star who died. <laughs> I'm in a weird place, guys. Um, I read a little excerpt from Bob Crean's son's book. And just that little excerpt, yes, that's it. Um, for those of you who can't read my mind right now, Kaylee is holding up uh, the book, which I have to get because just that little excerpt, I was like, oh my God, this is good. The amount of times I've renewed this book is embarrassing because I'm still not finished with it, but I am going to read an excerpt of, uh, at the end of this episode. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. I was really going to practice. Practice. I was really going to practice really in my good. arms. You're just feeling really British today. I get, I get it. That. Yeah. Uh, oh, and um, one of the secretaries at, at the school I teach at, um, we have an ongoing joke that I can't not say this podcast name because I have practiced it so many times. But she gave me a little tip. And so um, shout out to her. Thank you, Mac. You talked about it last week, right? The Horrorwood. Oh, Horrorwood. <laughs> I think I Horrorwood. Yeah, you, you did. I am. It's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna edit all of that out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Last week. Last week was so long ago that it was um, more than seven days. I'm on three glasses of champagne, and that made no sense. To I me. think it didn't make sense to me, and I'm on no glasses of champagne. <laughs> um. Tell us about Bob Crane, Kale. I certainly will. But before I tell you about Bob Crane, I need to tell you about Albert Ruddy, uh, which just so happens to be the producer of The Godfather and the creator, co-creator, do I have that right? Of Hogan's Heroes. Uh, I was, it was revealed to me today that a producer and a director are very much different roles and the the director of The Godfather, God, Godfather. This is going great. Is none other than Francis Ford Coppola. So last week when you... I effed it all up. When you mentioned that the director of The Godfather was the co-creator of Hogan's Heroes, in my brain, I was like... Hate went wild. Holy shit. Francis Ford Coppola co-created Hogan's Heroes? I had no idea. And so then I was like, well, I got to look up more about Francis Ford Coppola. And I looked it up and I was like, he didn't fucking co-create Hogan's Heroes. That's on me. And I was like, oh, she meant producer. Okay, mm. those are different people. I tried. Listen. Our conversation is- was much better before we started recording. Uh, um, It's fucking great now. I don't know okay. what you're talking about. Right. But I do need to pause because I need okay. to go pour my fourth glass of champagne. <laughs> is that bad? I don't know if anyone can tell, but I've kind of had a fucking crazy weekend. So um, having a few glasses. Is it bad to drink the entire bottle by myself? I don't think so. going to pause here. Sorry, I had to check on Frankie, and then I realized I was hungry, so I ate some Cheerios. And then I realized Cheerios. we were told that 
that Frankie liked Cheerios when we got her. Okay. And guess what? She doesn't. So <laughs> so I've been eating them. And uh, so I ate some Cheerios. And then I realized I went in there to pour more champagne. And I had forgotten. So I poured more champagne. And then it's Frankie's bedtime right now because it's um, she usually goes to bed around 9. So I wanted to make sure I ground all the coffee beans now. So I don't wake her yes. up, you know, in like an hour and a half or whatever. Very puppy considerate of you. Thank you. It's who am I? I've changed. Also, now I'm eating some pist- dark chocolate pistachio toffee, which I'm going to be honest. I feel like you're kind of gloating. I'm not trying to. And I'm going to be honest. Um, when I saw this at Trader Joe's, shout out to Trader Joe's dark chocolate pistachio toffee. All I saw on the label was dark chocolate pistachio, and I was like, sign me up. And then I got home, and I took a bite, and I was like, this is fucking stuck in all of my teeth. What the fuck? (laughs) And then I read that it was toffee, and I was like, didn't see that at first. So anyway, um, (laughs) that's what I'm eating now. It looks really good, though. Don't watch me. <laughs> well, what else am I supposed to do? Talk about Bob Crane. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last time. Great. Mr. Robert Crane. Who was found murdered in his Scottsdale apartment on June 29th, 1978. Oh, shit. His skull bashed in with a blunt object and an electrical cord around his neck. Ooh. His death and the sordid revelations that followed stunned Hollywood, his fans, and his family. This is our continuation of Bob Crane. Ooh. In our last episode, we gave some personality traits and descriptive adjectives to clarify the type of guy that, that Bob rendered outwardly, and most importantly, what he strived to be. On this episode, we slide into a different side of Bob that has been sensationalized in the media. The schmarmy, shifty, shady, scandalous, and sexual portrayals of what possibly led Bob Crane to being murdered. Oh, so like maybe the stuff he was into caused his murder? Possibly. Oh, shit. Okay. So listen up. I'm listening. Why did anyone want Bob dead? What motivation would someone have to brutally murder him? That's what I'm asking. Right? Me too. (laughs) All right, so let's focus that lens on his frenemy, John Henry Carpenter. This intimate confidant became friends with Bob after being introduced on the set of Hogan's Heroes by Richard Dawson. Was John Henry Carpenter, John Henry Carpenter, right? Yes. Was he an actor on Hogan's Heroes? How like how did he how was no. he on the set of Hogan's Heroes? So Richard Dawson, who, if we remember, was the guy who didn't really have a genuine liking of Bob. Right. But who we learned Bob still helped to get jobs after being depicted as a um, as a con man, skilled tailor and hero in Hogan's Heroes. So that's like what uh, Richard Dawson's role was. Okay. Yeah. And he um, went on to host Family Feud. Yes. Okay. And yes, he did. And made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um but John Henry Carpenter was not an actor. Okay. So he worked for Sony. The studio? Well, Sony, like, equipment. You know, Sony, I, I, it's evolved over the years, right? And so I don't really know, like, how big Sony was back in, like, 1960s. Um, but, you know, they started equipment and and they had, like, the... What did we call them? Camcorders? Yeah. I can't even think of what they were called. <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. They're um, still called camcorders, yeah. everybody. So, and and that's what he worked for. He was like a 
regional sales manager. Or oh, something so, like that. Was, so he like so he was a salesman. Yeah. So he Basically, sold video equipment. I think, well, yeah, he yeah, and okay. he and he was kind of a tinker and kind of into tech, which we'll get okay, into gotcha. a little bit later too. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So Bob and John Carpenter. Let me just preface this: this episode is kind of going to go in and out of things. Okay. Because it was much harder to, I guess, go into things after kind of building up someone's life. So we're going to touch base on several different things and I'll talk about John Carpenter and then I'll talk about other things. So prepare yourselves. I'm prepared. Anyway. I'm on the edge of my seat, just FYI. Bob and John Carpenter built a friendship out of interest level at first. Only the interest level that started their friendship led to a different kind of interest. Oh. And addiction, so to speak. Oh, this intimate confidant friend of me, John Henry Carpenter, later becomes a suspect in Bob's murder and goes on trial over 15 years after the murder of Bob Crane. Oh, shit. John Carpenter was a regional sales manager for Sony Equipment. He would often help clients with video and audio equipment, which clearly was an interest of Bob's with his tenure in the radio, television, and movie interest. Okay, but so, you're probably going to get into it. He liked... Bob liked video equipment for other reasons too. He yes, he did. Okay. However, you're gonna get into so, it. Okay, I am gonna get into it. But I do wanna say that so anyway, Richard Dawson knew knew this guy, right? They he came onto the set. I I don't know if he was trying to sell the type of equipment or what. Uh but I wanted to say that Bob just he loved like just tinkering with things. Like let's let's remember that he was a DJ and he kind of paved right. the way to do things in that that world of radio. And so I think he had this keen interest that does, for lack of a better word, evolve, that does um create into something a little bit different later. But sure. I think this interest is, you know, back then, let's technology isn't what it's like today. And so I think he saw this really cool equipment that the typical person wouldn't have access to. Um, but since he was, you know, part of a TV set, he was seeing things all the time um, when it came to like this technology world. And so being able to have access to that in a, in a home uh, was more of a luxury. So Bob was a customer of John's? He likely brought the equipment from John. Yes, I, I would say. Um, but but John was more of the person who kind of showed him how to use equipment. So I, oh, I don't okay. know if he like actually sold the equipment. Maybe he did when he was there because, you know, he had the ability to be able to sell um, Sony equipment. But I, I, I'm imagining that if it's he's like a regional sales manager, then he's not doing it just to like um, a consumer. He's doing it to a production company or, you know. And this like was that. also, I mean, camcorders were like, that was kind of a new thing. Oh, then, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I'm sure um, this was like all like felt very high tech. Oh, for sure. And John was always tinkering with tech and Bob found his specialty fascinating. The two struck up this friendship and soon began going to parties and bars together. Okay. Eventually, they would realize that they had another interest, that of sexual freakiness. Oh, freaky. They started by taking snapshots of women who, as was later brought to attention in the this book that I referenced in the first part, definitive biography, um, these women consented to this conduct. Okay. So um, as long as it's all consensual, it was- Right. And and okay. that to this day is what I know of it. And I didn't go 
too deep into it. Okay. Um, but from what I know, it seemed like the women were agreeing to this photography and it wasn't any kind of questionable. I mean, it was questionable maybe behavior because, you know, there were some marriages and and whatnot. But as far as I know, I mean, it was, was it like pornographic? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. We will just keep going with that. Yep. Okay. So women, women would share body nudity and then oh, Bob okay. or John would photograph them. Then this turned to videography, sexual exploitation. Expo- exploitation affairs with various women, orgy-like behaviors, and then the archiving of it all. The archiving of it all. Yeah. We could all we could probably put two and two together and call that pornography. As long as it's consensual, like who cares what anyone does? Like whatever. Like live your life. And- right. But at that but but think about it. At the time, it was CD. It was like very um looked at it as kind of disgraceful or frowned upon. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And you see, this seemed unlike Bob's very Beaver Cleaver-like persona. Like, he really displayed more of a church-going aspect or kind of like, you know, he had the three kids. Right. Um, right. Well, he had five, then, right? Well, yeah, five, technically. But, but like, if you're looking at this one one image of him, right, uh, which I, one of them you posted on Instagram, it's like him and his wife and his three kids. Right, yeah. His first wife. Right, the first wife. So, but then we know later, like, he he had two more kids, one one of which um, he adopted. So, still, he's, like, looked at as a family man, right? Yeah. Um, he didn't drink or do drugs. Okay. And it seemed like only sweets, such as candy, was, like, his vice. Okay. So, pretty straight lace. Yeah. In that regard. Yeah. However, upon the reveal of him being murdered, Hollywood had a heyday with exposing the X-rated version of Bob. Oh, I'm sure. The thing about Bob is that he did have an addiction. He had a sexual addiction. Okay. Basically, it was like they started with pictures. Then it turned into okay. like videos of, of, of women in their nudity. And then it just kind of progressed from there. And became way more sexual. From what I gathered, he didn't drink. I think at one point they did say like his brother um, had an alcohol problem. Oh, okay. Maybe. Well, maybe that's why he didn't drink. Right. And that and that could be. And then I was thinking, well, maybe there is some kind of genetics there because if his brother was an alcoholic and addicted to alcohol, and he was also addicted, but just not addicted to alcohol or drugs. It was something else. Like addictions don't have to be just alcohol and drugs, right? Right. They can be gambling. They can be. So his was sexual. And then it it talks a little bit about, or I obviously know this too, is that genetics wise, there can be things or there can be things that triggered from your childhood. Right. And his childhood sounds um, shady at best or like that there might've been something going on that isn't really, we don't know a lot about. Like, what do you mean something going on? I don't know. Like, it, we could never, I could never really get to the bottom of that. I felt that anytime someone took a deeper step into that, they didn't really find much. They just didn't know, but they thought maybe something had gone on or that there was kind of a weirdness in some kind of abuse or maybe. I mean, I don't want to say something? that. Well, I don't want to say that because I don't know, but I, right. I, I, sometimes this, this type of thing in a childhood could lead to addictions later, but got I don't it. Know. Maybe he just really loved sex and sex stuff. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, hey, do your thing, be you. Right. 
So John Carpenter and Bob Crane started taking photos of boobies. Uh, This led to more photos, which led to videography of women nude, which led to sexual deeds or actions between Bob and women while John was present. And then with John also participating, it sounds like John might have been more handsy with all parties and Bob really kept his hands to the female party. Oh, okay. I'm picking up what you're throwing down. John was maybe bisexual? Possibly, but I don't know. And you know what? I can't ask him. So is he dead? Yes. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert. Right. Considering what we now know, though, about addiction, Bob was fulfilling something in his life, but in the meantime, it spiraled out of control. Okay. When his body was found, so were the gobs of videos and photographs exploiting women and sexual acts. Okay. So where, I I mean, I assume like he had them all with with him and yeah it sounds like yeah it sounds like they were all in his apartment and then obviously you know they did an investigation like we're looking for evidence and then all these things were found and it came out okay was all of this during his marriages or was this all after oh okay so obviously he had all the equipment right and Uh, him and John had this kind of like friendship where they would go out to these clubs and, and bars and pick up women. And I think it sounds like Bob always kind of had a liking, obviously, for women. But considering he had, you know, two full-blown affairs that were definitely known about. Right. And I don't, you know, I think that there was some animosity with his first wife, who was his sweetheart, may I remind you. Although, as his son disclosed, his sexual addiction videos and photography archive was the least amount of what he filed. So this is where things I feel become very interesting. And I was really glad that a couple of places noted this, like in the biography and a couple books and like just some websites I read. It's like he was just never really satisfied with everything he did in life and always wanted more. Like he was a workaholic. And then those describing this type of Bob would say like, being a star meant the world to him. I, I heard that on on something or I read it. Um, so he would push more and more to try to prove it to the world, right? Uh, okay. And, and, and with this, he would continue piling up his to-do list and his extremely detailed planner. Like, so he had this planner. And then later when an event was canceled, he would go back and write down, canceled because of blah, 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 blah. Like okay. he, he wanted to note everything. This is uh, where I thought was really interesting. And I think this is what his son disclosed that he cataloged and amassed over 21,000 records. Now, again, you're a DJ. Like, I would love to have that many records. But he only, he reduced it late, uh, to 5,000 later, like 5,000 records later in life. I think when he got married to Patty or something, he like, I mean, he still had 5,000 records, right? Like vinyl. Right? We're talking yeah, about vinyl. Yeah, right? vinyls, okay. yeah. And again, DJ, right? Like, so it makes sense that he would have that much, right? right. But at sure. the same time, he would like write on the back of them and stuff. Like he would, he would like say his favorite songs or something or circle them or I can't, something yeah. like that. And it's just like wild. Like that's a lot of detail. But that makes sense. I mean, yeah. with just what he was into and like, you know, he obviously was into music. He was a drummer. He was a DJ. Right. Like, right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, and in the definitive biography book, they also stated that he kept everything that served as proof and stature to his life career. So are you saying like he kept like everything newspapers and stuff oh, yeah articles oh. on himself yes yeah everything he w- they- okay mm-hmm. so i know we touched on this in part one but like that is to me the epitome of arrogance like who who keeps their own newspaper clippings and shit like 
so I get what you're saying. And on top of it, I was going to explain that like he did it to the extreme though. Like I was thinking like, oh gosh, some of these things start sounding like me. And then I was like, I don't think I have a sexual addiction. And then I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, am I sorry? And then I was like, okay, you don't have 21,000 records. Like you don't write everything. But I do do some things. And I think that can be normal, right? That like some people do it more than others. This guy though, he was extreme. Okay. The authors of that book continue to explain that his son affirmed and relaying this information that he really truly just saved everything. Like the real Bob Crane was more of a compulsive archivist with saving documents throughout his life in a hyper-organized and attention-to-detail way, like with all things, his planner, his music, his notes and scripts, his photographs, home videos, his journals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, when, when did he have time to do this? Of all of it, like all of his jobs, he is like family man lifestyle, his husband, being a husband, being a, I was going to make that into a verb, husbanding, um, <laughs> and, and the other extracurriculars of his life, including the questionable sexual excursions. Like, I mean, the dude ran like 48 hours in 24 hours, you know, like, and I'm not saying ran, I'm, I'm saying like he compacted 48 hours worth of doing things in a 24 right, right, hour right. time period. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, he actually filmed everything like, like. Everything. He was an engineer. Oh, yeah. Um, his son, Robert, was claiming that that um, and stating that his friend John Carpenter was really just the parts guy. Like I said before, he kind of was like he had all that. But but really, Bob was the one that was like, we got to document everything. Everything has to be documented. It, OK, so it sounds like him and John Carpenter, this guy, were like super close. Right. I mean, yeah, I do believe in a, the in a period of time they were very close for okay. sure. So they're like, like besties. Can I sell each other naked? Oh, what? I've n- clearly never seen any photographs of him. Oh, because so, they had like threesomes and stuff together, y- right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, okay. I think. I mean, I don't know if he participated in with the John part of it, but definitely with the women part of it. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because you mentioned that earlier, like right. John was kind of into everybody involved and Bob was into the women. Yes. And I also think, um, you know, when I think back about this and I'm thinking about like all this time he put into all of this archiving, it just showed how kind of like obsessive compulsive he was in a way that maybe was how his addiction ran kind of. Um, okay. I, I think this also talks about like or not talks, I'm talking about it, but it hit like his drive. So he needed to fill up all the time. That's why I was saying like, I was reading all this and like researching it. And then I was thinking, oh my God, like I, I'm that, I try to like fill up all my time. And I think that's a good thing too. Like life, like use it while you have it. Right. And so, but I'm I so also, the opposite, just FYI. <laughs> also, I don't, I don't sleep very well. So it was like one of the things was like, when did he ever sleep? You know? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh my gosh. That's why I was starting to be like, oh, am I, do I need to, do I need an intervention? Um, okay, let's move on. I don't know where that's going. I know. <laughs> okay. His son even said that he did the first sampling on the radio. So he was the one that would make the crazy sound effect. And then he would go. So what he would do is like he would go home, write out like this five hour show plot line for the radio, then have the sound effects ready to go so he could be all prepared when he did it. He would like splice it all himself instead of like having to do it or whatever. He did it. Like, I just think that it just showed his tenacity of, you know, and talent. I mean, he sounds like he was a super talented guy. 
So he would spend hours looking at all of his details and edit everything at night with precision. He, he said, I don't even know where he had the time to do it all because he filled his time up to the minute doing things day in and day out. He was a family guy. Where did he get any extra time to have the marital affairs and addiction to homemade porn? Like, Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he was super busy. <laughs> so busy. He would work more than any common person and would spend so much time tinkering with various forms of work. And he was so in tune in making sure every single thing in his life was lined up. Not just his own sons worrying about that, like wondering about this, but when when did he sleep? How did he have this boundless energy? Like in a sense, it makes complete sense that he would chronicle his sex capades because he chronicled everything. Like it were an archive of his. Yeah, like it was. It's weird, but it makes sense. Because he kept everything in a way like he was preserving his history or filing his present shenanigans or even curating his own future so he could be hopeful that he was doing everything he could to control his own life doings. Like the amount of time he'd spend on this is fascinating. I'm like, really? There is no time in the day? Yeah. Sounds very consumed with himself. That is a running theme that you have. And I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, so to have his sex life archived was probably just another way he can control chronicling the details of his life. But the problem is that when this was let out to the masses, um, then that's what the media fixated on was the sexual addiction part of his category of portfolios. Sex sells. So, oh my gosh, I'm going to say that. The media (laughs) only really had one focus and that was on his amateur pornography collection. And since it was so detailed, it became sensationalized news. So, and as we know, media likes to focus on shady shit, sex, sexual explorations and unsolved murder cases. I mean, that's pretty much what our media is if you just look, you know, because, well, these are the things that sell, just like you said. Yep. So what really happened on that fateful night? Tell me. Well, unfortunately, we may never know. Oh, shit. But in 1992, there was a man arrested. And his name was John Henry Carpenter. So his buddy. Yes. Why do we always have to call suspects or assassins or whatever by their three given names? Like when when someone is three named, this is what I've learned. They're definitely a serial killer or some (laughs) kind of murderer. No, it's true. Seriously. It's true. John Wayne Gacy. Yep. Three names. Three Um, names. There are many others. I just can't. Lee Harvey Oswald. Yes. Thank you. Yep. Murderers. Yep. So if you're using three names, like, sorry. Yeah. You're really setting yourself up for for prison. Okay. Okay. Uh, When Bob Green's body was found on June 29th, 1978, it was nearly unrecognizable. Blood splattered everywhere. Oh, my God. Bob's face was beaten badly, and wrapped around Bob's face was an electrical cord. And so um, Victoria Berry was the person who found him. So she, she was working on voiceovers with Bob during his stint in Arizona for that theatrical play, Beginner's Luck, that I talked okay. about the first time. So she was the one who went over there. And and there was one thing I read that said they might have had an affair, but I um, I, I mean, who cares? Rumors. Like, so maybe they did, point, maybe they didn't. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but she's the one who found his body, and she ran to the apartment neighbors screaming. But oh. then, unfortunately, after this, so then I found I out can't that even the, imagine, like, Walking into, walking that, into that because what she's seeing is like blood everywhere. I mean, and you think about it like when you walk. Well, first of all, if it's fresh blood, it's like really red. But then there's the mm. the the if it's puddles of blood, then it's deep red, right? And then it's on the walls and like ceiling and stuff. I mean, it sounded like this apartment was just splattered everywhere. Oh my god! 
so obviously like you're going to scream and run, right? I mean, and I'm not going to stick around. So, okay. So I read that, and maybe you have more info on this, but I read that that he was late. Well, he didn't show up to an appointment. Like yes. he was supposed to. He was supposed to be somewhere and then they were supposed to practice. Okay. And, and he, he was a very up, so- punctual. Yes. He was a very punctual person. Obviously, can you think about his planner now? Yeah. I mean, it had everything written in it. And later, I don't know if I have this in my notes, but later I heard or read or something that he was really excited to go home. And that was in his planner. Like, for, I don't know what time frame this was. Um, Obviously, after the murder. Right. Uh, and then and then it was sad because then, of course, the planner with some time, like, it just started stopped um, having dates, you know, yeah. uh, events on the dates. Ugh. And that part was really just kind of deafening to me. It was it was sad because you think about that, a guy that's so meticulous, planning his every single moment yeah. and like archiving it all. And then yeah. like, then it just, it eventually Stops. just stops. Yeah. <sighs> then I heard, um, I think this was on a podcast that like the area, like the crime scene area, it, it kind of became a circus because. Because mm-hmm. he was. A sitcom star. Right. And and there was like, I don't think they had real security because it was an apartment complex that he was like staying in. Okay. Because of um, this dinner theater place. Um, so it wasn't just, it just wasn't treated like as this like place of evidence. Um, I think things were So moved. it was kind of like botched? Like, yeah, like possibly tampered. Right. Mm. Even, okay, this is what I, this is what I wanted to bring up that I'd heard on, I think it was a podcast, um, that even the medical examiner crawled over Bob's body to further investigate the wounds on his head. Come on. Ugh. Like that's rough. So I read this today that his son was saying like, yeah, this was before, you know, they were really concerned about DNA because that wasn't a thing right. yet. And, right, exactly. And so he he was saying Robert, um, the first the Bobby. first Robert, yeah. Bobby, yeah, was saying like, um, yeah, the police just let me like come in and and check out things. Exactly. And it's just yeah. like, oh fuck, like you're like you're just tampering with everything. Like every you can't that there goes your investigation. There goes yeah. all your evidence. And he came later. I mean, you know, so like he wasn't there right when this was all right, going down. Right. So it just seemed like kind of a shit show, to be honest. Yeah. You know what? I want to look up because I don't know when. And I this is going to bug me. I want to know when DNA became. Oh, like a thing looked at in, in murders. I want to say yeah. 80s. I want to say it was like. It was 80s. Happening. Okay. Thank the you. DNA's testing started. Great. Now we know. Now we know. Thanks, Goog. I know you're going to get into it. I don't want to like do any spoils or anything like that um so maybe i'll take all of this out but i i saw that they did find uh in john carp are you gonna talk about john carper's car sure i'm not gonna say anything then (laughs) so almost every book podcast write-up agrees that with no sign of forced entry it seemed evident and obvious that bob likely knew his killer yeah Ugh. But committing this heinous crime was nearly impossible for anyone to comprehend. Like, why? Right. You know? So why was John Carpenter sus? Why? This was more of a recent podcast that I listened to, uh, Drake Brennan from the podcast Hollywood Land Badlands. He oh, proclaimed okay, yeah. that detectives found blood on the door of a rental car, which has wasn't just something that he found, right? I This has been the ongoing story for a long, long time. Right. right? So he researched and uh, this was out there that it was being used. That rental car was being used by John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. That was a match of, for Bob's cr- 
Bob, oh gosh, Bob Crane's blood type. In addition, eyewitnesses reported that an argument between Bob and John at a Scottsdale nightclub the night before the body was discovered happened. Can you say that again? I'm sorry. I'm I'm drunk. <laughs> sorry. That's all right. Something about a nightclub? Yes. So um, uh, detectives found blood on the door of a rental car that was being used by John Carpenter. And that was a match for Bob Crane's blood type. And then in addition, there were eyewitnesses that reported that an argument between Bob and John at a Scottsdale nightclub happened the night before the body was discovered. Oh, shit. I wonder what they were arguing about. uh, Brennan from this uh, podcast, Badlands, further discussed that John's motives were clear. Bob wanted out of the salacious lifestyle and John did not. When you say Bob wanted out of the salacious lifestyle, like he wanted, he wanted out of to, like the pornography. Yeah, and I'll altogether. get to that a little. Yeah, I'll get to that a little bit later. That is, I couldn't find any facts about that, but I think it's a speculation. If if you think about what was written in his planner, um, he still had the videos and the the photographs there, but I don't think he was filming as much anymore. Okay. I think he was. I think he was trying to defriend uh john carpenter because i think he just felt very uncomfortable maybe by him that's obviously my own speculation of sure thinking about this scenario right that makes sense um what i found from listening to this episode which was just like 37 minutes it was really good and okay the reason that i had to like i'm quoting so much or like i'm taking i'm i'm referring to it so much is because this jake guy i love his freaking voice like okay so good um oh I just got gurgly there. Oh like, my! I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to start listening to this Badlands uh, podcast because for some reason I just really took to his voice, and yeah. then I'm like, I was so fascinated by things that I'd already really kind of read, but I was like, his voice is so important. I need to like actually it's so important. Okay, Jake from Badlands, your voice isn't so important. Oh, oh hashtag okay. Are you single? Oh geez. Uh, hashtag Kayla's. Right. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> Four glasses in, everybody. Uh, so anyway, there was there was no clear murder weapon, right? Though people the people speculated it was dun, 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 a tripod. Oh, that makes sense, right? Because they they said maybe it was a pipe. They they didn't really. I I never could find that it was like we really knew what it was. But like some people would say this or that or whatever. Um, did they? F- I mean, I, I don't, I guess they didn't, if there's still speculation, did they find a tripod in the apartment? No, I, no, no, there was no, there, there wasn't a weapon. They couldn't find a weapon. I mean, they found the cord right around right. his like, face or neck or whatever. And then he was badly beaten. I oh. think he was whatever the weapon was, which I think was clearly harder than a hand. Uh, mm. I think it gave one blow to him and he was probably like, that was it. And then they just kept going for it. Like they must've oh. been really angry. Oh, that yeah, that sounds personal. Yeah, there's there's like a vendetta. Yeah, because you don't like that kind of. Okay, be, let let's rule out. Was there money taken or anything like that? No, in 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 the book, uh, Robert's book, he was talking about there wasn't even a big uh, what's that, inheritance. Like he didn't okay. really even get like a, a lot of money. I don't think. I mean, there there was probably some inheritance that went to Patty because she was the current wife. Which side note, I heard that she had the will changed so that she got everything. Is that true? I did find a website that that did claim that. Yes, 
I don't even know if it's really that true. And okay. I didn't, you know, to be honest, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. I tried to just like really listen to who he was as a person. Yeah. With the fact of kind of putting out the shadiness or the questionable shadiness and then discussing the murder a little more. Gotcha. I feel, I mean, I feel like it's this just John guy, but I, uh, right? that's because, right. because were any other suspects? Well, this is what, okay. So there was no, no hard evidence to connect John to Bob's death is what, what a quote, right? Mm, okay. um, later, nearly 12 years after, a detective found brain tissue in a photo. So that was taken as evidence. So that he found, okay. he like looked, he looked further into the photo and he was like, yeah, I should probably look at this photo again. And then saw this thing, brain tissue. But the tissue was pictured in the rental car of John Carpenter, that rental car that I mentioned earlier. Right. Also, like I said earlier, John, um, he was arrested in 92. I don't think you said that. Okay. I, I don't remember that. that. So John was arrested. Okay. And a trial was held in 1994. Okay. With the DNA testing, though, it went nowhere. Oh. At this time, then there was some DNA testing, right? It was being done. Yeah. Um, but. So what did they test? Were they testing the blood in the car? Yes. Okay. Because I heard that the blood. I'm sorry. I heard that the brain tissue, they lost oh. that. Right. Okay. So. so John obviously had to make a testimony, right? So what he did in his testimony was highlighted Bob's affairs. He like was, you know, there, you know, husbands out there. There were, you know, um, these love tri- triangles. Um, mm. He had so many affairs, you know, who knows? It could be boyfriends or whatever of these women. Um, it could be anybody, right? Okay. Um, so he really took that into his testimony. Okay. Um, and he was acquitted. He was acquitted? Yes, he was acquitted. And then four years later, he died of a heart attack in which his wife, Diane, of course, blamed the stress of like the trial and Mm. the attention for her husband's death. That's not founded. I mean, I didn't read any doctor's documents or or, um, coroner's reports about like if it was because of the trial. But four years later, he died of this heart attack. And stress does cause heart attacks. And it, sure. I mean, this was like 16 years, I think, of, you know, speculation. And I'm sure his name being dragged under. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if he didn't do it, that's awful. Like, is, what right. a horrible existence. Right. If he did do it. Mm, right. I, but. I mean, okay. Yeah. As I learned from my favorite new voice, Jake. Uh, Jake from Badlands. In 2016, with new technology, there was a news reporter who retested the DNA. And he retested the DNA that was found on that rental car. Oh. And then this reporter publicized the findings. So, like, he made this whole, like, I don't know, reveal or something on, on TV. The DNA was not Bob Crane's. What? The blood sample? was it was not so that that's what was that's what happened 2016 so this is not that eight, long ago not that long ago yeah eight years ago uh six years oh my gosh this is 2022 christ math i still okay but there's no other suspects that we know of right no no ah this drives me crazy i hate when things are unsolved because i need i like need that sense of completion right or resolution or whatever you want to call it uh i feel like it was john but i I know if he didn't do it then right and and that that is one thing i did like 
briefly consider, right? I was thinking like, oh my God, if like, if he really didn't do it. Right. Like what? A- then we're talking about a man whose best friend was murdered. Or, right. Or right. close friend was murdered. Who, who would have been grieving while also being like the number one suspect. Ugh. So that doesn't feel good either. That feels really shitty too. So I don't know. I Nobody mean, wins. Nah. Yeah. It's a murder. It's no a murder. Wins. Nobody wins in murder. Nope. Maybe that's our new like hashtag. Um, much speculation, hype, and attention has been the focus on Bob Crane's death, obviously. Yeah. Um, with the front runner of killers being John Henry Carpenter. But think about also we I said this before, the slew of women, the rabbit affairs, torn families, jealous husbands, and even our hero himself that could be questioned if it was if it was possible now. Like if we could talk to him about this now, like if we could be like, so who murdered you? I mean (laughs) I shouldn't laugh at that. That's horrible. But that just sounded really funny. So who murdered you? Well, you know, just so if like you could ask him, like, what what led to this and well, or is there anything else we should know? Was there some real skeletons in the closet? I, I don't know. Well, I feel like we know his skeletons in the closet. But is there more? Was there anything from Patty Olson? I mean, I know that they had I know that they had divorced at this point, like the same year, right? That he was right. killed. I couldn't I didn't really delve hard into that, to be honest. I mean, I'm not I, saying she's a suspect. I'm just wondering like, right. if she had any kind of um reaction, like if we know what her response to his death was or anything like that. I, you know what? I don't. I, I know what I'm going to talk about Cynthia Lynn's response. Oh, okay. I'll talk about her. I won't. I didn't. I also didn't look much into Anne because I felt like they were both devastated, I'm sure. Sure. Um, and I know that they I both. I mean, that's the father of their yeah, children. Yeah. So what was Cynthia Lynn's reaction? Okay. I'm going to tell you. I, I'm going to get to that. Oh, okay. Uh, but first, it's just just questions, right? I was saying, like, wh- what would we ask him? Like, is there more to the story? Is there more we need to know about you? Yeah, we don't know. What we do know is that it seemed from the entries in his last planner that Bob planned to go home after Arizona. And I said that earlier. Like, he had just seen his daughter graduate. His son was mm. having a birthday, it appears, mm. um, from, like, some of his, his planner entries. He was seeking marital counseling. I thought that he was already divorced, though. Well. No, they had they were separated. Oh, okay. I thought they were divorced. Pat with him and Patty, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They were separated. Um, he was oh. becoming less interested in the likes and hobbies of John Carpenter that he desired to get his life more back on track. Per to say, like oh. maybe it was just a little too late in the most unfortunate way. Oh, that sucks. That's awful. It seemed like if you put two and two together on his planner, that he was really trying to. Um, distance himself from John Carpenter okay. and maybe maybe try to get back on track in a way of like getting out of the the theater um, and maybe getting back into something else or even just focusing on his family. Maybe maybe trying to rekindle things with with Patty. I, I okay. don't know. Yeah. Also, I, I did want to mention that um, in, in something they were going over all of his theatrical performances at all like the dinner theaters mm-hmm. and they brought up Little Theater on the Square. Oh, which is a which is a nod to Illinois. Uh, yeah, he, he he did have a performance there, and I just thought that was really cool since we both um, went to the same college. Cool, and many of the people that we knew performed there. Yeah, so that's cool. Just thought that was an interesting tidbit for uh, for you and I. Do we know what show it was? Uh, Beginner's Luck. 
It was, I'm pretty sure it was like a whole, uh, the, I'm, I'm positive it was beginner's luck. I should look that, I should have looked that up before I mentioned it. But I think he was on a whole run of that, that show. Okay. Like a tour or whatever? Tour. Yeah. Okay. Upon hearing the news, this is, uh, this was really tragic for me to like read about and, and listen to. There were some actor friends working in Vegas's uh, Tropicana. Um, so these actor friends, they were offered um, match salaries by Bob so that he could get out of his windmill dinner theater gig in Arizona, but they couldn't get out of their contract in Vegas. So I learned all this um, in the Carol Ford and Company book, you know, the definitive biography. Um, yeah. The duo, they they just remember there was something he was afraid of when he like talked to them, like, and he was afraid to go back to Arizona. Like oh. there was some kind, yeah. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Oh, and there's some more weirdness. I'm going to get to that really soon. Um, okay. And it's, it's well, I'll tell you what book it's from. But then there was Cynthia Lynn. Remember we just talked about her a little bit earlier? Yeah. She and was she the re- first affair that we know yeah. of. Um, Cindy figured like at around the time of Bob's death, right, he was separated. And so she assumed like he was probably getting a divorce. And right. she, wa- she wanted to call the station since she was also free from her relationship. Mm. And was, you know, and then if he was possibly free, she thought, well, maybe they could go to lunch. Okay. Remember how I said in the last episode, like, she just loved him so much. They loved each yeah. other. Yeah. It, it just. Well, I mean, she, it sounds like she loved him. I don't, I mean. I, I think he, no, I think he genuinely loved her at that time. Okay. Um, I think coulda, shoulda, woulda. I think as soon as she was like, I'm going to work on this failing marriage that's going to end up failing. Um, yeah. He was like, uh, okay, fine. I'm out. I'm going to go to the next thing. Um, which is unfortunate because I do think that they actually had a true love with each other. Okay. Um, but I think, you know, then he just moved on. Um, and it was just, it was, it was like a coulda, shoulda, who knows? Maybe if he would have ended up with her, he, I, I don't know. But anyway, who knows? What's so sad is that, um, she found out about his murder from the television. Oh, and she was in this like total shock and disbelief and thought there's no way. And that could be her, Bob Crane, you know? Aww. And then, alas, uh, she didn't even go to the funeral. Because she just couldn't handle it? Well, his current wife, Patty, was there and ex-wife were attending. So she just quietly paid respects. So who did it? Well, I think John Carpenter did it. I mean, that's well, the only, okay. like, that's the only suspect we know of. Okay. Who else would have a motive? If he wasn't robbed, so if the motivation wasn't money... Right. It sounds like it was very personal because that kind of brutality with the cord and the the bashing it's in of the face or something, right? It's, that sounds, sounds like, very personal. Yeah. So yeah. if it was something like an unrequited love or or unrequited feelings, if John, you know, wanted more with Bob and Bob wasn't feeling that, I mean, I don't know. Who's to say? I don't know. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna read an excerpt from Bob Crane's eldest son, Robert or Bobby, who wrote with Christopher Fryer, uh, Crane, Sex Celebrity and My Father's Unsolved Murder. So okay. I'm actually I didn't put this in the notes because I actually wanted to read it straight from the book for some reason. I don't know. I love books, so I think okay. I just like having them open. So what was what was interesting is uh, Robert Crane was kind of like in he was also in production, right? He was kind of also in like like and the interviewing aspect of things. And he had just interviewed Chevy Chase. Oh, okay. Um, and he was writing up. So when, when Bob, when they found Bob murdered at 3 PM mm-hmm. on June 29th, he was like in his apartment and he was just writing up the interview he had done with Chevy Chase. Oh, okay. 
Um, Wait, sorry. I'm confused. The sun interviewed Chevy Chess or? Yes. Okay. 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 The sun did. I was confused. I thought you were talking about senior Bob. Okay. No, no. Remember he missed the, um, like an appointment and then, and then Victoria walked in. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I was confused. Oh, I know. Cause I had four glasses of champagne. Okay. So he, so I'm going to read this straight out. Um, and this, this is from his son. This is his son's words. Yes. Yes. Okay. And it's actually in like the very first chapter basically. Okay. He says, so there I am in front of the typewriter, headphones on, cassette recorder clicking on and off because he's like going over this interview with, with Chevy Chase. Mm -hmm. transcribing my interview when the phone rings. Carpenter would often call me before hitting the road on a business trip when he could maneuver a detour in his itinerary to visit my dad. He'd say, your dad wants me to bring that new multi-headed cable he's got that hooks up to the back of the Akai tape deck or whatever that brand is. Or I've got to stop by and pick up some extra beta cartridges to take with me. It was always before his trip he phoned, never after. Calling me when he got back never happened until June 29th. Hey, John, what's going on? I asked. Nothing much. I just wanted you to know I was back in LA. Yeah, okay. How was the trip? Good, Bobby. Good. Listen, if there's anything you need, call me. The whole conversation lasted less than a minute. After Carpenter hung up, it was like a scene from a movie. I just stared at the phone, replaying what had just happened. There was something off, something out of sync. Oh, I oh, I just got chills. My like the my shoulder blades did that thing. Like my oh, my neck and everything. John Carpenter killed him. Well, and then a little bit later in this same in this same chapter, he said after he got the uncomfortable phone call, he went back to like you know going through the interview or whatnot, mm-hmm. and then he said, "I don't know why, I just had the urge to call my dad to check in with him." to say hi, to see how he was doing and hear his voice. He said he called the apartment in Scottsdale, which, you know, which he was staying in because mm-hmm. of the windmill dinner theater. And a woman answered. And that was not uncommon. He said, mm. hi, is Bob Crane there? No, he's not here right now. Who's this? Victoria. Oh. He said, can you tell him his son Bobby called? Nothing important. Just ask him to call me when he gets back. Sure. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh, my. I can't even imagine being that woman, too, who, number one, discovers the body and then the son calls. And, like, you don't want to be the one to break that news. So you Uh, just have to, like, cover and be like, okay, sure. Oh, my God. Oh. Still unsolved. I I mean, but I think we know who did it. Right. Right. Oh, I don't like it at all. And the fact that, I mean... Again, like we said, if he didn't do it, then, you know, that sucks that he had to have this, like, kind of cloud over his name his whole life. But also, if he did do it and he got away with it and then he died and he never, like, had to pay for it. Oh, I just have so many feelings right now, Kale. I know. I know. I don't like it. And that, my friends and misfits, is... That's it? That's it. How are you feeling, Kate? How are you feeling? Well, buzzed for one. <laughs> um, and I'm also feeling like I love our listeners who keep tuning in every week. So thanks, everybody. And if you have a tale of your own or you just want to say hi, you can drop us an email at horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com. 
or you can uh, find us on the social meds at Horrorwood Podcast or Twitter at Kale Horrorwood Pod or Horrorwood Pod, one or the other. <laughs> and um, rate, reviews, subscribe uh, means everything. It's super important to us, and we love you all for it. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm working on a couple of cases right now, so we'll get those to you soon. And it's spooky season, and it's fall, oh and I'm so excited. I look a lot better in sweaters than I do in summer clothes. Confession, I absolutely look way better in, like, fully clothed items than, like, more revealing items. But... I like to be covered. Cover me up. Thank you.